and welcome to this week's episode of Dermatologist Talks Science of Beauty. I'm Dr. Tio Wan Lin and today we're going to talk about various TikTok skincare hacks and how some of them may actually turn out to be dangerous for your skin. Ooh, this is a topic I'm excited to get into because I've seen so many skincare or beauty hacks on TikTok or Instagram that people usually try from home and um, some people really swear by. So I've always wondered whether or not they actually bring benefits to the skin. Well, first of all, let's talk about microneedling. Microneedling is a cosmetic procedure popular in many aesthetic clinics that involves pricking the skin with small needles. The theory is that these small wounds cause the skin to start its wound healing processes and produce more collagen and elastin to heal the skin. Well, there has been a rise of a worrying trend to do with at-home DIY microneedling. Well, is microneedling safe to do at home? What are your thoughts on that? Well, microneedling, in my opinion, um, may be considered a little archaic. Uh, the reason why I say this is, um, you know, while there are in-office microneedling treatments, uh, these are certainly not state-of-the-art type of treatments that um, minimize tissue trauma while uh, stimulating uh, collagen production. Well, the key concept uh, is that you are trying to introduce microperforations in your skin to increase the absorption of certain products. However, if you've ever had a microneedling procedure, um, you know that it can leave bruising, marks, and punctures in your skin. And it's also quite painful for the individual that's undergoing the treatment. My personal opinion uh, as a dermatologist is that there are so many other treatments uh, which are available that have a focused result. Like for example, for acne scarring or other types of scarring, physical therapy, whether it's in the form of laser treatments, um, ablative or non-ablative lasers, these have specific cellular actions. Um, and if you're just talking about superficial uh, skin treatment and level of the epidermis, there are chemical peels. Uh, all of these procedures can also increase product absorption. Uh, microneedling on its own has been um, recommended uh, as a cost-effective way. Um, you know, say in uh, less developed countries, as an alternative to CO2 laser treatments for acne scarring. But on its own, um, you know, is not as effective unless you are pairing it with a cosmeceutical. So the other thing is both the cosmeceutical and the microneedling instrument in theory should be sterile um, because there are skin punctures involved. And it should also be performed by a medical professional. In that sense, I don't think there is a lot of evidence for microneedling as an aesthetic intervention. The ways of increasing cosmeceutical absorption that are non-invasive or in a sense that doesn't traumatize the skin would include the novel use of materials. So that's what our company, um, the Biomaterials Arm, does. So we use polymers that alter the skin microenvironment as well as functional textiles. The key concept to understand is that if anything damages your skin barrier, 
Firstly, um, there's always going to be a chance of a side effect, uh, specifically irritation. Um, and there will be certain patient groups uh, that, of course, we end up seeing who perhaps you would call unfortunate, who can get infections. So we're not just talking about typical skin infections if if you're using non-sterile, non-disposable equipment, uh, especially at home, this can be dangerous. So would washing the needle, for example, with antibacterial soap and tap water work? Why are these so dangerous? The reason for this is because of a certain type of tap water bacteria that can occur even on perfectly clean instruments, so clean, not sterile. Beauticians, for example, often say, oh, it is brand new, but it is not something which has been autoclaved um, by, say, gamma rays, which is the standard in uh, medical uh, surgical procedures. You can certainly contract mycobacterial infections, cutaneous mycobacterial infections. I've seen these cases before. Um, microneedling, in theory, is considered uh, of slightly lower risk, but it is still uh, important for us to appreciate that uh, non-sterile microneedling instruments are not exactly safe for use. Uh, I have, for example, seen patients with these uh, mycobacterial infections that um, arose after facial extractions by beauticians. Uh, and these had to be treated with months of oral antibiotics. Well, I'm familiar with blue and red light therapy in a clinic setting, but what about at-home LED light devices? Can they benefit the skin? Are they safe to use in a home setting? I would love to share a little bit about these um, at-home LED devices. Uh, it is actually a very um, established sort of skincare trend. Um, my main concern is really the devices that uh, are available without eye protection. The efficacy of home devices um, is limited uh, by the um, size of the device. Um, the study so far uh, for LED lights um, exist only for in-clinic treatments uh, with the ability to generate higher um, energies. For small handheld devices, I am not sure if it's it's even able to generate a fraction of what is required or what has been deemed to be effective based on these studies. Nevertheless, it is true that red light, for example, uh, does stimulate your skin's mitochondria, which is the powerhouses, to produce um, more uh, collagen and also to enhance the cell processes that uh, enable cell renewal to occur more efficiently. What is relevant is, um, you know, for consumers to realize that Neutrogena, which is actually one of the most established um, brands in the world that work with dermatologists, they were amongst the first to launch uh, light therapy masks. 
uh, they actually recalled their masks due to concerns uh, that there could be some level of uh, retinal damage. Now, it is definitely a decision that they took, um, you know, erring on the side of caution because of certain at-risk users, say, for example, those with photosensitivity um, conditions such as lupus, autoimmune diseases, for example. Nevertheless, um, it is sometimes difficult for us to predict uh, when it might happen to an individual, to an individual, especially if there is no light uh, protection for the eye. So in the clinic, we always have um, these opaque black goggles uh, and the treatment uh, is, of course, with a huge machine. Now, there are brands now that offer these light therapy masks with eye protection and I think that would be the gold standard for home treatment because uh, there is uh, evidence, of course, that these lights in particular stimulate uh, parts of your skin physiology that may be beneficial. That makes sense because apart from the mask that you're putting on your skin, it's also covering your eyes. So we can't forget about eye protection since they're one part of the face that is so sensitive. Well, moving on, I've also heard of DIY scrubs such as coffee scrubs or putting baking soda on your face or even sugar lip scrubs. What is the science behind this and how does it work? Uh, on the topic of, you know, DIY sort of skincare, I think what I have uh, come across myself is, uh, you know, sugar lip scrubs, for example, which I thought was kind of cool and uh, quite fun. It's not a bad idea. Uh, firstly, it's edible. So sugar is edible. Um, the problem is I'm not totally, um, you know, uh, on this, on the side of recommending scrubs in general. So sugar itself is considered a coarse granule that's going to be harsh on the lips. Um, so the lips are part of your skin, but it's a very special part known as the mucosa that is far more sensitive than the rest of the skin on your face. The lip scrub that we compound in the pharmacy is from uh, a phytoceramide formula. So if you're familiar with phytoceramides, they are ingredients uh, derived from uh, plant seed oils uh, or the, the nuts. So the nuts, for example, when you extract it, you get a lot of these good fats. And uh, these can repair the barrier um, and it's also an edible formula. Above all, it is important to recognize that there is a need for some sort of physical exfoliation of the lips because, um, you know, we often feel or we see this flaking on our lips and when we remove it, it's easier to apply glosses and lip balms, etc. But we also should address the reason of the flaking. So it's commonly chelitis, a condition uh, which is uh, you know synonymous with lip eczema. What happens is there is first a defect in the barrier function of the lips and then the inflammation begins leading to flaking. Um, well, in the case of the 
uh, phytosera mite uh, lip scrub. It is using microcrystals, which encapsulates the phytosera mites. Uh, so that when you rub it into the lips, it essentially disappears. It also has the additional cosmetic effect of removing the flakes and also is working as an emollient. Yeah, same with the trend of putting various foods such as apple cider vinegar or turmeric face masks for the face. So on their own as a food, we know that these can bring various health benefits, but can it really help with our skin? Using apple cider vinegar or turmeric mask um, is kind of interesting. If you were to do a literature search on these active ingredients, you find that there, there is scientific evidence that suggests that these are potent antioxidants. The key thing uh, is that these active ingredients um, have to be extracted and uh, formulated in a way that it is non-irritating, retains its uh, potent cosmeceutical effects, um, while uh, functioning as a cosmeceutical. The issue here I want to remind our listeners is that you really should not make your own skincare. You don't boil it, cook it, or mix it up in your kitchen, simply because cosmeceutical formulations have to be firstly stable and secondly it has to be compatible with your skin it has to be non-irritating furthermore the concentrations that are present in food um, is so high that it's really more likely to cause irritation in, in individuals who do not have an allergy, but simply do not tolerate the um, pH of this uh, ingredient. I think in terms of efficacy, when it is in the form of a food and you are applying it to your skin, I'm not sure if it's able to penetrate the skin. Well, what about if it's in a powder form? Would that work better? Well, I think the commonest example of a potent um, superfood or antioxidant that's available in a powder form is, uh, say, turmeric. So if you're actually applying the um, you know, turmeric powder on your face, on your facial skin, I don't think that this is a viable method of absorption. So powder formulations firstly absorb extremely poorly. Um, the only application of powders would be, um, you know, in the form of uh, astringents to absorb excess moisture, say in hyperhidrosis, excessive sweating. The main side effect is dryness caused by the powder formulation itself. So the other thing is, if you're going to be using these DIY masks, you really have to bear in mind the concentration of the active ingredient and the actual formulation, whether or not it is cosmetically acceptable, practical, uh, whether or not it is um, going to be accepted by your skin. So in the first place, if it can't be absorbed, you're really never going to see an effect. And absorption has to take place via the stratum corneum. 
Um, the risks are also very real as there is a high risk of irritant contact dermatitis and there will be people who are actually allergic to turmeric powder itself. So in cosmeceutical formulations, these would be in the 0 0.01 or 0.1% range um, and the bulk of it would actually be in something we call a vehicle that enables the product to be effectively absorbed by the skin barrier, which is the stratum corneum. Well, a couple years back, and I think I've recently seen it circulating again, I saw beauty blogger Suki Man's Instagram post where she posted a tutorial on how to get rid of whiteheads and blackheads. Well, what she does is that she takes two flossing sticks and scrapes them down and around the nose. Then she soaks a cotton ball in mouthwash and then uses it as a toner. Is this a good DIY hack or is it just plain dangerous? Now it's um, quite interesting. So this is the, the dental floss whitehead extraction um, that we see on TikTok. So I first of all don't recommend using any physical or traumatic methods to remove whiteheads. The closest um, effective sort of extraction tool uh, that you can be you can use at home is um, probably uh, microdermabrasion. Um, so for vacuum microdermabrasion, for example, uh, it's not correct to use the vacuum to suck out blackheads, for example. Uh, and that's what's commonly marketed because in a sense, it's very gratifying. Um, what happens is for blackheads or whiteheads, the debris, uh, especially for blackheads, will reaccumulate. And I'm sure all of us who have had blackheads before see it um, come back. So the way to treat it is never about physical removal, but is to treat it at the microcomedonal level using either uh, retinoid with peels, um, or with laser treatments, certain botanical extracts are also proven to control oil production, <clears throat> such as chlorella, um, that's an algae extract. The problem with extraction of, um, you know, using any method is that it is going to traumatize the skin and um, it can cause infection. And uh, thereafter, if there is inflammation, you get scars. Well, in the same vein of using dental products on our face, because this is what's popular right now, what about the age-old tip of using toothpaste on your zits? Some people swear by this hack. Um, yes, I've seen toothpaste uh, being recommended by these TikTok users as a pimple cream. The key thing about toothpaste is that it contains an astringent, and is also a highly alkaline substance. So I don't recommend that uh, on your skin, um, for sure. You will get skin irritation, irritant contact dermatitis. Drying out pimples is a very outdated way of treating pimples. The pathogenesis of acne is essentially, um, you know, in a genetically predisposed individual that leads um, it to inflammation, which starts with microcomedones that actually appear on the surface of your skin um, after, you know, a process of say two to three weeks. And then we see um, blackheads or whiteheads. 
which are respectively open and closed comedones. So coupled by the growth of uh, secondary skin bacteria, it can get infected. Um, and when you see a lot of pus on your face, for example, that's not just acne alone. It's a secondary infection known as gram-negative folliculitis. The primary bacteria causing acne in inflammatory acne is P. acnes. Uh, increasingly, we talk about C. acnes as the predominant uh, pathogenic acne organism. Uh, when you treat acne, you really want to target all these uh, factors for a holistic approach as well. Well, we know it is impossible to change one's genetics, but... Um, all acne treatments are targeted at firstly controlling inflammation because that's going to stop the comedone formation process. Secondly, uh, we need to address scarring. So toothpaste uh, and you know, virtually just thinking of drying out the pimple does none of that. There is a role um, in uh, a, an effective pimple cream um, you know, it plays to control seborrhea, which is what we call, um, you know, uh, in medical terms, and refer it as excess oil production. And physical methods, um, when applied to individuals with very oily skin, for example, when you apply zinc oxide, um, it can help to improve these seborrhea. Um, most individuals with mild or moderate acne, they will complain that their skin is both oily and dry. It's not uh, a paradox, yeah? Uh, because the truth is most commonly they have oily skin, but all the topical treatments they are using, such as benzoyl peroxide, uh, which in my practice, um, you know, we've stopped using it for the last five years, um, is not very effective and it can cause irritant contact dermatitis, which is the reason why you feel that superficially your skin is very, very dry. Instead, we use anti-inflammatory botanical agents um, with masni uh, becoming a relevant um, issue these days. Uh, using a benzoyl peroxide containing acne cream or um, you know, even these DIY astringents like toothpaste, it will definitely make the problem worse because of the occlusive effect of the face mask. So if it's going to be drying on its own, when you apply, when you wear a face mask in the daytime, um, these drying effects are amplified. So I've spoke about this in my white paper on masni. It was published in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology in November last year. Um, it's also available via the COVID-19 resources on PubMed. Um, so in that paper, I have detailed recommendations uh, for MASNI and it's also available in the previous podcast. Well, in this episode, we've talked about various skincare trends such as DIY microneedling, homemade face masks, different sorts of pimple treatment at home, and how not only do some of these not confer benefits for the skin, but may even be harmful. Well, that's it for this week's episode. You can follow Dr. Teo on Instagram at drteowanlin for more podcast updates. And do remember to check out our website at www.scienceofbeauty.net for the full podcast transcript. Oh, 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 oh,